0: I just want to uh, just speak to you today, uh, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Second or First Samuel. I'm sorry, First Samuel, uh, chapter six is where we're going to be today. And uh, how many have ever got a? Uh, have you ever been to like a fast food restaurant and uh, they've given you like a drink? And when they give you the drink, have they ever told you, hey, we're sorry, we are out of lids? Anybody ever got a a drink without a lid? Now, I'm not talking about at a sit-down restaurant. I'm talking about like a to-go restaurant. Have you ever got one of those and took it to your car, and in the process of getting in your car, you ever spilt your drink in your cup holder? How many know that's aggravating? Amen. And uh, and I I don't like I don't like necessarily um, you know spilling drinks or anything. How about this? How many all right? How many have raised your kids? All right. How many have kids currently? All right. Uh, how many remember the days that you had sippy cups? Come on, somebody. Right. Hey, Amen. How many know that sippy cups are amazing because they don't spill? But here's the downside to a sippy cup. Let me tell you right here, right now. Are you ready for this? This is going to be theologically sound. Doctrine, no, it's not really. Um, But the thing about a a sippy cup is this. Oh, man, on several occasions, I bet with every one of our kids, we had sippy cups. And, you know, when you fill a sippy cup up with milk or you fill a sippy cup up with juice, come on, and, and your kid takes it and they lay down in bed and then all of a sudden that sippy cup slips behind the bed. How many have ever found a sippy cup about two to three weeks to four weeks to even a year after the fact? I made the mistake when Zaley was young of taking one of those sippy cups and opening one of those sippy cups. Woo! The best thing you can do with a sippy cup that has um, some bad milk or juice in it is to just throw that thing away. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? And, and here's the thing. The lid, and, and, and it's amazing to me because the lid on that sippy cup keeps everything in inside. And so today I, I want to just talk to you on this simple subject of put a lid on it. Everyone say put a lid on it. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in First Samuel here, First uh, Samuel chapter 6, verses 13 through 15, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 19. It says this, now the people of Beth Shemesh, everyone say Beth Shemesh. <laughs> Try it again, Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley and when they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark everyone say ark they rejoiced to see it the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there A great stone was there, and they split up the wood of the cart and offered it and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. That proves to me that God likes barbecue right there, all right? All right, verse 15. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which uh, were the golden figures and set them upon the great stone, and the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices on the day on that day to the Lord. Now jump down with me to verse nineteen, and it says this first uh, Samuel chapter six, verse nineteen, a few verses down, and he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. he struck seventy men of them. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. So what happened to those guys? They looked on the Ark of the Covenant. They looked inside, and they died. Seventy of them is what our scripture says today. And so I wanted to read that to you. I'll get to the backstory of that. But let's pray before we get into this word today. God, your word challenges us. Lord, your word pushes us. God, I pray today Uh, Lord, that you would just have your will and way, Lord, in this. God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our ears and that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint this word today. God, anoint me, God, your vessel today. God, use me how you see fit today. God, I I am your servant. God, I pray, Lord, that lives would be changed forever, that someone would come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that someone would be delivered from things that are holding them in bondage today. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, now say, put a lid on it. So the backstory to what I just read, if you if you go back a few chapters in Samuel, chapter four, the Israelites they 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 meet their their arch rivals or uh, uh, their their Philistine the Philistines. You know the Israelites and the Philistines were kind of like arch rivals. It's kind of like uh, uh, today there's a big football game. The Dallas Cowboys are playing the Eagle. I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan. Praise the Lord! Come on, somebody, I got a few of you in here. I know that. All right, uh, and all you Colts fans, God bless you. We're praying for you, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But, but you know, it's, it's like our rivals. It's like two teams that just do not like each other. They, they play a little bit extra hard, and they, they fight. And so the Israelites and the Philistines, they were constantly going back and forth and back and forth, and, and they go to battle, and the Israelites suffer a loss of 4,000 men in the first battle. How many know that that's a lot to lose? And then the elders... Uh, they begin to discuss why they had lost the battle. What do you do when you lose a battle? You go back, you lick your wounds, and you try to figure out why in the world did we lose this battle? What does a good coach do? Uh, I, was, I was sad to hear the passing of Bobby Knight, but what would he do when their team would lose? He would go back, and he would he would reevaluate what they did or did not do, right? That's what a good coach does. And so these guys, they go back, and they begin to discuss why they had lost the battle. And someone, everyone say someone, Not God, all right, but someone says, has this ideal that, hey, we should bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle like we used to do. Joshua had done that on the Lord's command a few times uh, previous to this, and so they said it worked then, it should work now. How many know you can't use the same old battle plan to fight new battles, amen? Unless God tells you to. And and so they went into battle and they fought with this thing and this was the same practice that that the pagans would use. They would take something, uh, their symbols, and lead them up front into the battle to signify that they were on top. So what do we know about the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant is where God would meet His people. If you look in the Old Testament over and over again, that's where the presence of God dwelt. It was in the Holy of Holies in, in the Tabernacle, and it was where the presence of God dwelt. What do we know about the the actual ark of covenant it was it was a, a a rectangular shaped box basically and it was made of acacia wood anybody know what acacia wood is it's beautiful wood and and it was it was it was made out it was overlaid with gold how many like gold all right nobody likes gold man you guys are quiet today right, everyone look at your neighbor and say hey you better wake up today or pastor's gonna preach all day it was overlaid with gold, and it was carried with poles, and the Levites, the, they had to carry that, and, and it was adorned with cherubim on the lid. There were two cherubim that were facing each other, and the wingspan went up, and the wingspan of the other one, and they met there on the top, and that was the cover, and this lid was known as the mercy seat. Everyone say mercy seat. And this was the place that the priest, when he would uh, give a sacrificial lamb once a year, he would go and he would take the blood of that lamb and he would sprinkle it seven times on the mercy seat and they would find out if God forgave them for their sins. And how many know that we have a high priest in Jesus Christ today? Amen. And inside, inside of the ark, there was the Pentateuch, the the the, ten, uh, the first few books of the Bible. There was a jar of manna to remind the the Israelites that God is your provider. How many know that God is your provider? Amen. And, and there was Aaron's rod, and and then there was the Ten Commandments. And the Israelites, come on, come on, and and this is this is our this is us. This is what we do. The Israelites trying to relive victories in the past. They took. the... ark into battle and then there they were slaughtered and they lost 30,000 Israelites in that battle that's a lot more than 4,000 right and so we look at that and the power can I tell you this the power was not in the ark but the power is in God amen how many know that God has the power Amen. And oftentimes, listen to me, oftentimes we fall victim to religious rituals and we condense God to a box and say, God, you have to move in these particular parameters. How many know that God is bigger than a box? amen and so this is what we do listen and these are not bad things this is not a bad bad things to do but oftentimes if we are not careful we're very ritualistic in in the way that we are living this thing out we we check off our religious boxes hey i read my chapter for the day Psh, my religious duty i did that i i attended church this week check i got that box uh, off. i prayed Today, Check, I did communion, I did this, right? And if we aren't careful, we can put God in a box. And these things are, are all ordained of God, but the power comes from God and not just these activities. I believe these things can draw you to the Lord, but listen to me, it's God is sovereign, amen? When we say, hey, I prayed, I attended church, I, I performed my ritual duties to the Lord, so I am okay. Okay, have you ever said that right and then we get our, our our clocks clean when the enemy comes in and we're like what in the world is going on how many have ever felt faced a battle and and the enemy just keeps throwing stuff at you and you feel like i cannot get up on my two feet and that's what the enemy does, and that's what the enemy did in this case. And I believe there's some beautiful imagery, and I think there's some, some great things that we can glean from this story today. So, and that leads us here to, to, to 1 Samuel chapter 6, and we, we read there that these guys, and they're sitting out there. And they're minding their own business. They lost the ark. 30,000 people died. And these guys in Beth Shemeth are just sitting there. And they're working the fields. And all of a sudden, they see something in the distance. They see a a, a cow or an oxen pulling a cart. And they look at it and they say, that looks like the ark of the covenant. And they begin to look and they see this thing. And they get excited and they run to it. And they meet it there. And the Bible says they met it. And they, they took that cart. They chopped it up. And there was something interesting there so some you know in, in that chapter in the in first samuel chapter 6 verse 19 it says and he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the lord he struck 70 uh, men of them and the people mourned because the lord had struck the people with a great blow some translations and you may have one that says it says 50,000 Anybody's translation in your Bible say 50,000, all right. Some say 50,000, some say 70. Say, well, pastor, what is it? I don't know, but what I do know is there was a great loss of life that day, all right? And so so I wanna tell you this today, come on. You gotta put a lid on some circumstances in some situations. So this is what I wanna tell you today. And I, I feel ordained of the Lord. I feel like the Lord gave me this word today, something very specific. Last week, I talked about temptation, come on. I'm gonna get off the script just a minute. I talked a little bit about temptation last week, and this week I wanna talk to you about offense. How many have ever been offended by somebody? It's hard to forgive someone who has betrayed you, offended you, made you mad, right? We do not like to swallow our pride and go up to someone and say, I am sorry, I was wrong, right? A lot of us would rather stay on our high horse, not talk to someone for 30, 40 years. Some of you got family members you don't talk to because you're too proud to go in and say, hey, even though it wasn't my fault, I, I am sorry. I'm sorry if I offended you. Pastor, it's getting quiet in here because I know I'm getting down right where you are sitting. Offense. And how we respond to offense matters. Number one, how we offend or how, not how we offend, how we respond to offense matters. So I got two questions about this passage. Why did the men of Beth Shemesh look into the ark? They were Jewish guys. They knew that that the Lord had said not to. But why did they do that? The short answer is this. It had been with the Philistines. Come on for a long time and and the short answer is this they wanted to make sure that the things that were supposed to be in there were in there that's that's the real short answer and it comes rolling along and they wanted to check and see if the contents of the ark were still there and they removed the mercy seat everyone say they removed the mercy seat the lid that covered the law And let me tell you something. This is a beautiful thing. This is a a great thing. When you remove the mercy seat of God, when you expose yourself to the law, to the Ten Commandments, come on, you will die. That is what the Ten Commandments were made to do. Listen, there are Ten Commandments, right? All those things. And I guarantee you, you have committed one, at least one of those Ten Commandments you have sinned against God in some form or fashion. The first four deal with my relationship with God. The last six deal with my relationship with others. And I promise you, come on, so I, I, I can tell you, some of you have lied. Some of you say, I have never lied. You are lying. <laughs> but these men, they removed the mercy seat. Can I tell you this? God is holy. God is holy. He is righteous and our flesh cannot stand in the presence of god this fleshly man listen if god were to come into this building physically we would all die and perish because God is holy. We are carnal and we have uh, our fleshly desires and things in us. But God, you remember the story, God only let Moses, Moses is like, let me see you, Lord. I want to see you. And God said, listen, I'm not going to let you see my face, but what I'll do is I'll just walk by. And you can just take a glance at my hinder parts because if you see my face, you will die. And you remember after just seeing the hinder parts, when he came down off the, the mountain there, he had to put a veil on his face because his, va- his face was shining so bright it's like me in the morning his face was shining so bright and beautiful that's a joke i'm afraid we've lost the sheer reverence of the lord in our lives if you can continue in sin hmm and not feel like you're breaking the heart of God. Listen, you need to get back to the holy of holies. You need to get back, because the closer you get to God, the more you realize, I need God. I need God's mercy. I need God's grace all my life. The closer you get to know him, you realize I am just a wretched man. My righteousness is as filthy rags. God, it is you who keeps me going, amen? And, there, and here's the thing. I, I've often thought about this. These guys, they lifted uh, the mercy seat off. And can I tell you something? Their intentions were actually good. I don't think their intentions were bad here. We want to make sure things are, are in place and that they are where they need to be. But listen to me. Listen to me. Uh, their intentions are good. But you see, when we expose ourselves to the law, we will dies what scripture tells us and this is what we learn from this the bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags the best that i am is filthy compared to what jesus christ can do only jesus blood can wash me and make me white as snow only jesus blood can set me free only jesus blood can help me to walk into a, a, a the place of a holy god only jesus blood makes me right amen and when we remove the covering of christ look out it's about to get crazy amen can i tell you this listen i might you could say boy my intentions were this pastor and this to know to do right james says this to know to do right and to not do it james calls that sin did you know that now you do now you know it to know to do right and to not do it that is sin it's what James says. I'm sorry. Does that does that make you feel uncomfortable? God is a just God. God is love, yes, but God is a just God, and He cannot be unjust. You know, I I should. Uh, you know, uh, I should. Forgive people, Lord, that have messed me up and have done things wrong in my life, and oftentimes, sometimes I in the place of judgment, I stand there and say, "Oh no, I can't forgive you because you hurt me so bad. I, I can't talk to you because you hurt me so bad. How many know that the Lord wants us to forgive? Oftentimes we are offended by or hurt by people. And they have offended us and our intentions are not bad, but instead of treating it with the same mercy God has given us, we want to open up the situation and get justice. Some of us want to be right with ourselves rather than be right with God. Come on, pastor, you're preaching good. I know. You know what we do? This isn't right. I'm going to pop this lid off and I'm going to, I'm going to show you what justice is uh, uh, listen I'm going to make it right I'm going to look and what we end up doing anytime we do that we must die maybe maybe not physically but we die spiritually so so how do, how do you say that you remember David when he sinned against God and he you know he's sitting there and Nathan the prophet Nathan comes in he had, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba then had her husband murdered and, and this whole the process went crazy on him right how many know that sin leads to a greater sin and a greater sin and it got deeper and deeper and and the prophet Nathan comes in and he gives him this story and he says, "Hey, uh, imagine this guy has a huge sheep farm and he's over here and then the neighbors have a pet sheep and that's it and imagine this farmer who has all these sheep goes over and says, "I'm stealing your pet sheep and David and he says, David, how should that man be dealt with? And David says, that man should die." And what does Nathan says? You are that man, King David. And David in in, in Psalm 51, he says this, he's repenting and he says, Lord, return to me the joy of your salvation. God, God, I, I am broken. I messed up. I made some mistakes. And some saints have called for justice instead of mercy and have lost the joy of their salvation. Someone wronged them. Someone hurt them. You're quiet today, but listen, I I believe God's speaking to some people today. Listen, so here's the second question that I have. Why was this wrong in God's eye? Why was this wrong? Well, it's very clear in Numbers 420, God declared that no man was to look into the holy things that were covered. Plain and simple. All right? God commanded it. That settles it. He's God and you ain't. When you disobey God, listen, when you disobey God, you better be ready for the ramifications that are about to happen. Because you cannot walk in disobedience to God. Oh, it kind of reminds me of my kids. I love my kids. Come on. How many love your kids? I love them. I love them. They're, they're great. But you know what happens with my kids sometimes? Sometimes they disobey me. Right? Right? Has anyone's kids ever disobeyed you? I'm glad I'm not the only person in the house. Zaylee, Wyatt, Novak, you're not the only ones that disobey your parents. And 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 here's the thing. I could say something like man, Wyatt's not here today, he's not feeling well, but I could say, hey, Wyatt, take out the trash, and he says, I'll do it uh, in a little bit, I need to finish this thing, and so I'm expecting him to take it out, all right, I'll just use this as an example, right, everyday example right here, and then two hours pass, and then three hours pass, and the trash is piling up and getting higher and higher, come on, because nobody wants to take the trash out, and we just keep letting it go higher and higher, come on, you do the same thing at your house, and and it's going up and up, and then and then I, I say, Wyatt, Wyatt, you need to take the trash out and he said dad i I was going to do it and and my intentions were good i was going to do it but then i i got stuck doing school and then i got behind in school your intentions do not matter i was trying to follow no you follow the lord you obey the lord amen Look at this, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Man, I wrestled with, with what translation to use here, but uh, uh, the message, which I, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it a translation. I'd call it more of a, 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 a commentary more than, than a translation, but I love the way that this reads. Come on, this says this. You didn't think, did you? Come on. <laughs> that's speaking to me right there you didn't think did you that just by pointing your finger at others you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard or did you what's the the next part uh, part of that or did you think that because he's such a nice God he'd let you off the hook better think this one through from the beginning it sounds like me talking to Wyatt you better go back and think this through buddy God is kind. Come on. Everyone say God is kind. But he isn't soft. Who in kindness he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Stand up, Jared. Listen. This is what the God does for us. His kindness grabs us and says, Come on, get out of this mess. Stop being disobedient. Come on, you got to walk this way. You got to take this step. You got to get as far away from that thing as you can. Come on, give Jared a hand. I love that. I love that, man. I, I I thought, man, that says everything. And I was I was going to use a different version of that, and the Holy Spirit said, "Look at the message version of that." And I said, uh, "Really?" And I looked at it and I thought, man, that is so plain spoken. That is so right. God is kind, but He isn't soft. He, in kindness, He takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change, a life of obedience to the Father. Here's the second thing I want you to know, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Everyone say, "Pastor is on a roll, man. We are, we are flying through this service." Here's the, the second thing I need you to know: the mercy seat covers. Everyone say, "Put a lid on it." Can I tell you this? Listen to me, people of God. God has not called you to point out everyone else's flaws. If someone's in sin, yeah, you, there's times where you have to go and you have to, you have to deal with those people. But listen, it's not my job to point out everyone's flaws. You know the Holy Spirit does a lot better job of drawing people to the Lord than, than I can by me pointing out someone's flaws. You know what, Jesus, he spent a good portion of his ministry on earth protecting people from church people. Right? He did. Several times. What about the, the, the woman that was caught in adultery? All these self-righteous people sitting there with stones, ready, ready to take her out. And Jesus says, you without sin, you can cast the first stone. He, he goes straight at their heart. And she's sitting there weeping and, and lost. And Jesus says, hey, look up. Where are your accusers? And they were gone. The people were ready to stone that lady uh, because of her adultery. But let me tell you something God's grace is sufficient. So, why did Christ stop them? Because he understood something that, that we don't that he is the propitiation or he is the supreme sacrifice that would fulfill the law requiring. And, and that the, the, the anger that the crowd was carrying was justice that day. But Jesus Christ stepped in and was love that day. Amen? In essence, if you're hurt by someone, listen to me, and you look to get revenge. You are, in essence, lifting off the mercy seat of Christ and saying, I got this by myself rather than giving it to the Lord. Hmm. Some of you say, God, I'm not interested in your mercy. I'm, I'm so upset at this person. I'm not interested that you have mercy for them that you've given me even. God, I, I, I'm going I'm to handle this myself. Jesus in Matthew chapter six is teaching and his disciples, and he's teaching them how to pray. And it's the Lord's prayer, beautiful thing. We we prayed this on Sunday night at, at prayer meeting, and it was, it was just an amazing thing. But in Matthew chapter six, uh, verse twelve, it says, "And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." Can you read that with me? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors say it again and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our you see the order there Hmm. god forgive me so that i can forgive them help me help me here the same mercy that you're giving me let me extend that to someone let me extend that to the hurting Let me extend that to the lost. Look at this, verse 14, and he goes on. The only part of the prayer that he continues on and reiterates is in verse 14 because it ends, I think, in, in, in verse 13. But he says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, or people who have wronged you, or people who have betrayed you, or people that have hurt you, or people who have called you names, or people who have assassinated your character. Come on, somebody. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will what? Also what? Forgive you. Hmm. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither you neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You know what that tells me? We'll be forgiven by how we forgive. Whew. Changed my whole perspective. I want to be someone that walks in mercy because I need a whole lot of mercy in my life. I want to be a person that walks in grace. It says, "Ha." Hey, Hey, it's okay, because I need forgiveness in my life. Say that's pretty selfish. I need it. I know I do. See, here's what happens. If we remove the lid, the mercy seat of the mercy seat we'll lose our joy because we carry resentment. Come on. We carry pain. we carry frustration because we're trying to deal with it. and we're not acting in love and kindness and mercy. Mark chapter 11 verse 25. And he says this, if you're praying and you have an issue, he says to leave that place and go and forgive the person that you have an issue and then come back and pray to the Lord. Jesus said the law hangs on two things. You know what they are? Love the Lord, God, with all your heart. That's that vertical relationship. Ten Commandments, one through four. It's all about this. This vertical, Lord, I need you. God, I need you. And then the second thing is love others as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, which is the next six of those Ten Commandments, which is this relationship with you and me. Listen, I don't want to be your friend if you're just going to lie to me all the time, if you're going to steal from me all the time, right? how we ought to treat others. Those two things, the law hangs on those things. Love the Lord God with all your heart. And listen, when you love God with all your heart, you'll start to see people like Jesus sees people. I pray this all the time. God, help me to see people like you see people. Not like I see them, God, with my physical eyes, but God, help me to see the soul that is hurting, God. Help me to see that person that needs redemption, God. Help me to see that person that needs restoration. Help me to see them with the eyes of love that you have for them. Maybe I've counted them out. And God says, I've got a plan for them. I've got a purpose for them, TJ. You know what happens with us when we're hurt by somebody? We often say, hey, I'm going to bury the hatchet, right? How many have ever heard that statement? I'm going to bury the hatchet between us. We're going to we're going to bury this thing. But this is what I've come to know. Most of us like to do this. We want to bury the hatchet, but we'll bury it with the handle up. So when we want to get offended again, we can go grab the handle and pull it back up and say, "Here's the hatchet again," right? And God's saying, "Just throw the hatchet away." You know, I've got a, a thing of, of BBs at home. How many have ever seen those little little packs of BBs? That Remember the old ones that used to come in the, I don't even know if they still come in the cardboard container with the little, come on, anybody got any of those? You know what's great about those? They're really easy to open. You know what's really bad about those? They're really easy to spill, right? Anybody ever spill BBs all over the floor? And you know what, the number one thing that will kill a vacuum cleaner, little metal ball bearings in the carpet, like, for real. And it's, it's just like us with, with our PBs. This, our offense is this. We pull the lid off, and we have all this stuff inside, and we begin to move, and we begin to shake, and all this mess begins to happen in our life. And some of us say, I've got so much drama in my life because you pulled the lid of God's mercy off of that situation. I was, I was debating to do this or not do this. There was a song when I was a youth pastor in Texas. And there was a, a group, a local group. And they, they they came and they sang this song. They wrote this song. It's a beautiful song. It didn't make any number one hits or anything like that. But, man, it resonated with me. And I was as I was going over this, the Holy Spirit just began to deal with me. And this is what I know about us. If we get real with ourselves, and we begin to say, God, examine me. Lord, have I taken the mercy seat off? God, have I, have I tried, instead of forgiving someone, have I tried to find justice rather than, you know, have I tried to make it right with myself rather than make it right with you? This song is very simple. It's called I Need Jesus. How many know, uh, I don't know about you, I Need Jesus. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Words of this song are so simple, it just goes like this. It goes, it goes, I know, I know my heart. <laughs> I felt its war within, it lust and works for power, its evil knows no end. My life. Nothing without you. Simple right here. The course goes like this. this second verse goes like this. surrender I need Jesus come on if we're honest with ourselves tonight today we would say hey I need Jesus how many would say I need mercy I need grace in my life can I tell you something the mercy seat of Jesus is not just for our forgiveness but it's to help us to forgive others Seed seat of God it's not just for our forgiveness but it is to help us forgive others Luke 6 I'm almost done I promise verse 36 through 38 says be merciful even as your father is merciful judge not and you will not be judged condemn not and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven verse 38 give and it will be what give and it will what good measure pressed down shaken together running over will it be put into your lap for with the measure you use it it will be measured what listen i love this verse i've heard this verse used in so many different uh, places and uh, t- listen I-, I got news for you tell you can use this for money but this is not talking about money this verse is talking uh, about mercy by the amount of mercy you give, God will press down, put it together, overflowing in your lap and in your life. How many need mercy? Amen. Here's the good news right here. In the Old Testament, God said he would meet his people. In Exodus 25, 22, right? it says, there I will meet with you. Everyone say, I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in the commandment for the sons of Israel. Here we go. That's the Old Testament example. God will always meet you at the mercy seat. So let's go to the New Testament and look at this. In the New Testament, where does God meet his people? Romans 3:25 says this: For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus. Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who have sinned in times past. Some translations say here, I believe it's the Darby translation, it says Christ was the mercy seat. His blood was not splashed on the mercy seat. It was spilled on the mercy seat. And once and for all, you have been forgiven. It's beautiful, right? Here's the good news. Christ will meet you where you're at today. Can I tell you something? He's extending mercy and he's extending grace. When I was in high school, (laughs) one day, I don't remember what I did. Probably something stupid, but I did something really stupid in school one day. And I had to go to the principal's office. Don't look at me all pious like you never had to go to the principal's office. And I remember going in the principal's office and I was shaking because I was like, I I wasn't scared of the principal. I was scared of mom and dad. (laughs) Come on, right? Principal, I ain't worried about you. I'm worried about what's going to happen when I get home. And just so happens that day. I, I go to the principal's office, and I go back, and I'm going to school. That was back before they could text everybody and all this. And, and you know, you had landlines. And, man, you're old, Pastor, right? I know. And, 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 and so my dad just decides to pick me up from school early. Come on. Why? The Lord. And I'll never forget, my dad picked me up from school and I went to the office after, you know, I was in class and went to the office and signed out. And I was just like, I'm just not going to pretend like nothing happened today. He was, hey, how are you? Just great. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm great. Everything's good. Got in the car. He's talking. I'm like, why are you picking me up early? What, we got to go do this and this. Oh, okay. That's good. And I'm sitting there and inside, I'm just, I don't want to tell my dad. I, but I know he's going to find out. I know he's going to find out that I was sent to the principal. Because he was on the principal's advisory board. I knew he was going to find out. And, and, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, how do I segue into this? What would you eat for lunch, Dad? Oh, that's cool. How's the dogs? Boy, isn't this great weather we're having this time of year? No, just trying to move along. And I'll never forget, I looked at my, my dad, and I said, Dad, I got in trouble today and I expected him to go, what did you do? This, that, you know, and I expected him to, and you know what he did? He goes, I know. And I said, how how did you know? He said, I talked to the principal when I came in to get you, he caught me. And I said, I'm sorry. He said, did you learn your lesson? I said, I think so. And he gave me mercy that day. I didn't deserve it, but he gave me mercy that day. Can I tell you, none of us deserve God's grace, and none of us deserve God's mercy. But can I tell you this, the mercy seat is available today. If you're here today, under the sound of my voice, listen, bow your heads with me, all across this building. Maybe you've been offended by someone or a situation in life. Maybe there's something in your past that you've just pushed to the back. You just don't talk about it. You don't want to deal with it. You, you're, you're afraid to address it in your life. Can I tell you something? You can forgive those. Say, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know your situation. I don't know how bad someone hurt you. But I can tell you this. The same mercy that God gives you, he gives that person. He gives them grace. And He gives them love. And listen, it doesn't mean you have to be friends with them. It doesn't mean you have to, to go and, 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 and do these things. But you, but you do need to take this step of forgiving them and letting some things go and giving them some grace and giving them some mercy. I learned something from my dad that day. What real grace and mercy was because I knew I didn't deserve it. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, that's that's me. I there's some things that I need to let go. There's some things that I I'm holding on, and I don't want to forgive, and I don't want to let go, but I know it's 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 killing me. I've pulled the lid of God's mercy. And I've tried to be the one that makes justice happen rather than trusting God and forgiving and moving on. And if that's you today, listen, I'm talking to saints and everybody in the house. If that's you today, you say, hey, that that is me, Pastor. Would you just lift your hand? Anybody in this house? Thank you.